Let's get after it on a Monday afternoon here on The People's Show on Sportsnet 650. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net on a Canucks game day as well. Bick Nazar, Dominic Shermati running the show. You can chime in as always. Most important person on The People's Show. Text in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A lot going on today. Got Monday Night Football. We got Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights. World Cup underway. Four matches in the bag so far. It's coming home. Big result for them. Yeah. Huge result. Did you wake up for it, Dom? No. No? No. Not 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 into the I value my sleep. The the England match, no? All no, right. sir. Uh, did you wake up for the second one? Yeah. Okay. Well, just, I'm just trying to gauge where you were. Uh, I I actually woke up for for the first one, fell asleep for the second one and was back up uh, for the USA Interesting. Wales draw. A uh, good result that USA Wales game. A couple of you nations, a, a couple of nations that didn't top their qualifying groups, you know. So you would say, like, "Hey, we're proud to get one point." Actually, I felt that the USA lost that one. Uh, like of they course. needed I'm just, that. I'm just taking shots at the United States of men's national team. Sure, didn't top their qualifying group. Do you, Do you recall who did? In in in, in, oh, in Canada, Canada, maybe. Let's go Wednesday. <laughs> Fired up for Wednesday's match. By the way, I don't know. I maybe I'm weird like this. I want all Concacaf nations to do well. You in definitely the World are Cup. weird like that. Cause that's it, that that's good for for the conference. I, I opened up every group chat that has multiple Americans uh, that I have, and you and said "f you." I just fired off just great takes, and I think I may have got kicked out of like two fantasy leagues already. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. I by mean, you're in like a hundred of them, so what's two? We'll we'll see what happens by like match day nine. But uh, I mean, good for two scrappy nations, two underdog nations uh, getting a point. You know, because. When you don't uh, top your qualifying group, uh, you're just trying to get results at the World Cup. Uh, but we'll see what Canada can do uh, on Wednesday. We'll get into the Canucks in just a little bit here. Brendan Batcher, as he does every Monday, will join us at about 3.10. But I do want to start on that. Uh, England prevails uh, today. Massive result. And especially for a team, even for me, has some muted expectations. I thought today they get to line up with the back four, get really after uh you're really after you run. I don't know if that's going to persist. I actually thought, you know, full credit to U.S. They really came out really strong in that first half. Much more athletic than I think maybe people will realize. So that England-USA match is going to be a lot of fun. But I think you're going to see England go back to a back five and just see that conservative team we've seen through years past uh, and, and tournaments past that they'll, they'll willingly put a lid on themselves. Gareth Southgate will li- willingly put a lid on himself. But if they play like that, if, if they trust themselves to be great, that suddenly to me is the second favorite in the World Cup. I have no faith in the U.S. against England. I think that's an L for, for the U.S. running away. Again, we'll see how England lines up. If, if England says, hey, we're not going to do the back five thing anymore, and we're, we're going to trust that Bellingham, Rice, Mount, Foden, whoever they want to put in the middle, if that's the group, that we, we don't need two two midfielders to protect Harry Maguire and Stones. If they decide that, things open up. Even then, they have too much class. 
I actually really enjoyed the way the United States played. I was I was shocked. I thought they looked way better today than they did in qualifying at any point in qualifying. Sure, but that's why today's day's draw is so detrimental. Now they have to beat Iran. Sure, there's no way you can draw or lose against Iran. You're not going through to the to the knockout stages. Sure. But they're not beating England. They're not. Do you look at Wales as if they're going to get multiple results though? Like so, like someone's advancing from that group. Yeah, I could see Wales giving England a hard time just because they're heated rivals. They know how to play against each other. It's like a derby match. Yeah, and it's definitely a derby match. They're in the yeah. same, the same well, country. But, well, we saw England and, and Scotland at the Euros. Yeah, know, like that was a nil nil result. Uh, could we see something like that? Maybe, but man, like Wales pl- played really negative today. And managed to get out there with the penalty and and get it with one point. I the the first half for for USA, I thought they were really impressive and controlled the whole match. I'm 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 looking forward to the the England uh, USA match. But if England decides to revert back to who they were, that's kind of concerning. That's a little concerning. Uh, but fireworks show man today. Judah Bellingham arriving on the station or on 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 the stage. I wish she was on station. Stage. Uh, Harry Kane doesn't get a goal though. That's fine. I mean, for a guy who probably wants the golden boot though, Saka taking the lead there uh, for England. By the way, I, we haven't touched on it. How good did Senegal look today? I just told you I slept through that match. I know, <laughs> but you didn't watch the highlights. Come on, man! I've I, I had men like busy morning. Myers in the Sens and everything like that. You were watching the USA match. And you had time to have the highlights on next to you. No, I'm, yes, I'm locked in. Oh come on, man! Kiefer Moore gets subbed on. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I was worried for the Dutch there for a little bit. Plus, I was catching up on Week Eleven uh, for football, which, by the way, we'll get into. Remember all that Vikings hate I took? I even backed them in Big Six. Yeah, where was everyone last week? Boy, those power rankings don't look so bad now. We'll get into that in the uh, second half of the show. Uh, But again, good start for uh, the World Cup uh, as far as the matches have gone. But by by the way, like, do you have an answer for this, Dom? I I, I haven't seen anything about this. The the added time so far, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's been a lot. Ridiculous. 13 minutes, 9 minutes, 11. Like, what is happening here? How and why? There's no water breaks, so that takes that out of the equation. I don't understand. It, yeah, it doesn't make sense. If, if if FIFA had decided, hey, all the stoppages, we're keeping real time and that's a thing, I can understand that, and it seems like that's what's happening. But work that into the leagues across the globe that we lead up into this, we're getting, like, so tomorrow, there's four matches tomorrow. We're essentially going to get an extra hour of soccer. <laughs> Because if, if it's five minutes for the first half yeah. and ten minutes for the second half 15. or 15, we're yeah. essentially going to get an extra hour. And these players are going to be run ragged by the end of this tournament. It's obscene to add this many minutes that we're playing 105-minute matches. It's a 90-minute sport. Why are we just adding 15 minutes onto every match? Also, the timing is so weird. Ridiculous. They're ending the last match at midnight. It's crazy. It's weird. The body is not built for that. I'm I'm starting to see some flaws in in this Winter World Cup. Oh, you don't say! <laughs> uh, all right, but we're gonna connect with uh, Brendan Bachelor uh, in just a minute here. So Canucks over the weekend uh, or on Friday night get a result versus the LA Kings for one their best game of the season uh, by far. 
But some news over the weekend on Hockey Night Canada, Elliot Friedman talking about, uh, you know, potential discussions uh, surrounding uh, Tyler Myers and the Ottawa Senators and Nikita Zaitsev. And look, I've mentioned this before, not specifically uh, the, the logistics of what that would look like, but how do you want to go about you know, solving some of the Canucks cap space problems and, and an idea presented uh, that, that you get to discuss over the weekend and think about. And and that's what it looks like. Do you want to go about this and come to solutions now and save $1.5 million on the salary cap and kind of do the reverse red paper clip? Do you want to go from $6 million to $4.5 million to $4 million and $3 million and keep trying to make these transactions, these microtransactions, and slowly eradicate yourself with the cap space? And job one for me has always been that $17, $18 million that was inefficient on the Canucks roster this management group had to solve that part first. So they solved the Hamannick part. They solved the Jason Dickinson part. We can argue if they should have done those, but they're out of the organization. And next is going to be part of the Tyler Myers equation. Do you want to go about it now, or do you want to wait down the future and wait till, I think we'll get to a stage, by the way, where this Tyler Myers contract becomes a bit of an asset. Based on the reporting, again, it's it's Nikita Zaitsev. That's type the type of value you're looking at, and it's, more of a liability than anything at this stage because there's a $5 million signing bonus next year. Once that gets cleared up, it's a $1 million base salary. And imagine if it's retained at half of that. Tyler Myers at half a million, even if it's $3 million cap hit, we're talking cap over cash, there's going to be some value in that. How much? remains to be seen but even over the weekend you've seen teams will explore the opportunity to acquire Tyler Myers if it means uh, the Vancouver Canucks save some salary but do you want to solve the problem now or do you want to wait it out and this management group has the luxury of patience and time uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of Canucks fans that want some moves to happen earlier we'll continue to discuss that you can chime in 650 650 uh get to some of your thoughts as well but let's talk to brendan bachelor uh the voice of the vancouver canucks here on sportsnet 650 you'll hear him later today uh, as the canucks are playing the golden knights at 7 30 so it's a late day for brendan bachelor who is up early as well uh watching the three lions batch how are you i'm good i just woke up from a nap so uh mix in the pre-game nap this afternoon and we'll be good to go brilliant uh, i was i was curious how you're going to stagger your day because you're at morning skate as well and there's matches i know you're a soccer enthusiast not just the england match i'm sure you uh kept an eye on some others as well so uh busy day for you yeah uh i didn't keep as close an eye on the other two as i would have liked to you probably nodded off during well, I, what I kind of did is, is tried to not pay attention to much about them because I've got them on the PVR and I could sort of oh, there you go. through and there you watch go. the key points at some point later today or, or tonight. But, um, but it's part of the reasons, reason that as soon as I saw they were moving the World Cup to the winter, I was disappointed because normally, you know, in the summer, it's the off season. I'm not having to be at a morning skate during World Cup games or something like that. So I can really sink my teeth into the tournament and take in as much of, of the soccer as possible. That's not going to be the case this time around, clearly. So uh, I'll, I'll get as much in as I can. But it, it does not feel like a normal World Cup for a variety of, of different reasons that I'm sure we could get into if we had three or four hours to discuss it. But one of them 
clearly is the fact that this is being played at a time of year that we're not used to having a big international tournament like this. Well, one of the reasons it it, it doesn't feel conventional is because uh, England were very aggressive and and very creative. Uh, <laughs> w- w- where's the the conservative England squad we were all expecting? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to be interested to see how Gareth Southgate adapts his approach depending on the opponent. Yeah. Because my my take on this is not that England are just going to be this team that, that comes out and, and takes the game to everyone. I think they felt they could take the game to Iran, but whether they will feel the same way about their final two group games or any potential knockout round games that they have coming remains to be seen. But at the same time, you know, I think I think Gareth Southgate gets a lot of you know, unnecessary, unnecessary negative press, especially in the UK, for playing negative soccer or, or being conservative, when being that conservative manager has taken him to a, a World Cup semifinal and a Euro final in the last two major tournaments. So clearly it kind of works to a certain extent. So as someone that wants to see England win the World Cup, I don't care if they win 6-2 or 1-0. I just want them to win. It's fair, uh, but I, if they play like that, I kind of said off the top of the show, they, they suddenly become the second favorite, like, real fast. I, I know there's obviously a lot of quality, and it all comes down to how the manager kind of grows into this tournament, but if, if they're going to play like that, it's it's them and Brazil. Like, there is a, a class difference between them and a lot of the nations. Which is a very strange thing to hear come out of someone's mouth, that it's England, Brazil, and everyone else. I don't think, and that's part of the reason I'm so excited about uh, this England team right now and why I'm so disappointed that we didn't have this tournament in the summer, as I said, when I could really sink my teeth into it, because this might be the best chance they've had in my entire life to win the World Cup. It might be the best chance they ever will have in my entire life to win the World Cup. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can kick on and continue that strong form that they showed this morning. Uh, so when's the next match Friday for uh, for England and U.S.? That's uh, when that Yes, is... I believe so, which is a non-game day. So oh, I'll, I'll be wow. I'll be fully locked in. And then, uh, unfortunately, the Canucks do play on Wednesday when Canada opens the tournament. But uh, I'll have to schedule my day around making sure I can sit down and watch that match as well. Well, it's all coming up, Brendan Batchelor, right now. Uh, all right, let's get into the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, 4-1 win over the the weekend on Friday night, uh, and uh, far and away their best performance of the year. Uh, who needed that one more, Brock, Demko, or is there another candidate for you? It's Demko by a long stretch for me, just because this team relies so heavily on him to be the superhuman Thatcher Demko, and, and not that he had to be incredible in the win over L.A., but, you know, I was talking about this with some people in the morning skate, uh, some other media members, and was saying, you know, yeah, I thought that was one of their you know, better performances of the year. And the funny thing is the underlying numbers don't necessarily show that. They gave up a lot of good chances, but Demko shut the door for them. And as we had this discussion, what I realized is that it maybe wasn't their best performance of the season. You could probably say that that was the Pittsburgh game. But what it was is the most familiar performance they've had this year in terms of the way they won games down the stretch last year, which was their power play scored, they got timely saves from Demko when they were loose in their own zone, and they found a way to win. And while in the grand scheme of things, that's not necessarily what you want to see from this team. You want them to be tighter defensively. That's the way they found 
to win games last year. And if they're going to have success this year with this current group of players and this roster as it's currently constructed, that's how they're going to have to win games. So to get back to that more familiar style of game where it was their power play making the difference and their goaltender making the difference, you know, you you hope anyway that that is a trend for this team turning towards them getting back to the kind of team they were down the stretch last year where maybe they were a bit loose defensively, but their goaltender saved them and they found a way to win games. The unfortunate part for them is that it comes at a time when their schedule really ramps up here over the next week and they've got some games against some challenging teams starting tonight with the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of it's a bit of an interesting question to be like, who needed that more? But also, you know, what do we suspect will sustain more? Like, will Thatcher Demko's performance carry on, carry on? Or will Brock Besser's goal scoring kind of revert back to normal? Because one guy can can do it on the power play, and, and if the, the team is not struggling right now at scoring goals, then he should be among them. Whereas the other one, he's kind of reliant on a team's defense. And yeah, okay, it's one nice performance, but as we mentioned, uh, or as you mentioned, it was still a bit uh, high event, and will that carry over? Uh, it, it feels like I, I need more than one game to see and declare like Thatcher Nemko's back. Yeah, 100%. And... Bruce Boudreaux essentially said the same thing this morning when asked about Demko. He said, yeah, it was good, but you know, you've got to do it more than once. And he clarified by saying, we know Demko's a great goaltender. We know he's capable of doing that, but that's the situation this club is in right now. They need wins to turn this season around. They need them as soon as possible. And their goaltender is a key part of whether they're going to get those wins or not. So you know, he's going back into the net tonight, which I think he had to. I, I don't think it would have been fair to him to go to Spencer Martin sure. in this one tonight just because he had such a strong performance that you want to allow him to get on a run here if he can and build his confidence. And, you know, getting back to your question about who needed it more, when it comes to Besser, I felt that it was coming for Besser. You know, there was a few games ago, there was a goal where Ekman Larson got a shot from the line and we all thought Besser tipped it. So we thought he'd scored his first of the year. He celebrated like he scored his first of the year. And in the end, it, it was credited to Ekman Larson. But, you know, he was on a five-game point streak going into the game against L.A. So he's got points in six straight now. It's just that, you know, five of them previously were assists. I'm okay with that. You know, as much as Besser has been known as a goal scorer, for a guy that's playing down the lineup right now, you know, with Hoaglander and Dries the last couple of games, and we expect with Pod Colson and Dries tonight, for him to have that consistent level of offensive production, not playing with guys named Elias Pettersson or JT Miller or Bo, Hor Bo Horvat, is a, an asset for this team going forward because if he can continue to do that with some semblance of consistency and I know a lot of those are power play points as well so it's not necessarily that his line is producing five on five but if he can continue to roll and produce and feel confident and carry that over to his five on five play then that's some depth scoring that this Canucks group desperately needs because right now if you know guys named Pedersen, Horvat, and Miller aren't scoring then they're not winning. Do you feel like there could be some upward mobility to his uh, game as far as where he slots into the lineup? Because you know Connor Garland, I thought actually played a decent game on uh, Friday, if not in the offensive zone, just overall. But it is like one point in five games here. Um, is that kind of on borrowed time? That as Brock maybe gets a, a goal scoring groove, is he going to jump back up there with Horvat and Miller? I think there's there's the opportunity for that. Certainly, although they've been playing Miller on the right side and Garland on the left side, and Besser traditionally hasn't played his off wing. Miller's played both sides, yeah. but 
if they if they like Miller on that right side right now, then that may not be a move that that they look to make. But look, this is the Vancouver Canucks. We know what's going to happen. Someone's going to get hurt at some point, or you know, someone will fall out of favor and move down the lineup, or or you know, they'll lose a game you know, very badly. And Bruce Boudreaux will shake up the, the, the line combination. So yeah, you know, Besser is kind of sitting in that third line spot right now, but at the same time, they've moved him back to the first power play unit. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how much confidence they have in Kuzmenko at the moment. Um, he's gone quiet the last few games. So is there an opportunity for them to put Besser on the line with Mikheyev and Pedersen and move Kuzmenko down? I think that's something that, that could happen too. So it's all going to be flexible going forward. But, you know, the, the short answer is yes. I think it's it's more likely than not that Brock Besser finds his way back into the top six sooner rather than later. Uh, you mentioned put Coles in. Uh, now he's working his way back from the the fight. Uh, so, a, a, it's just nice to see him back in the lineup. But, uh, you know, what are your expectations of what he needs to do to just make this uh, a, a bit more regular that he's in the lineup? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I haven't really... I haven't really thought he's been that bad. Yeah, this year, I, I, I'm probably with time, you. He's not jumping off the page and, you know, being a, a huge difference maker either. And it, it kind of feels to be like him and Hoaglander are kind of in the same camp where, you know, they're doing fine when they're in there. You know, Hoaglander has the odd defensive lapse that I think has meant that, you know, he's less trusted than Pod Colson by the coaching staff. But for both of those guys, you know, there's opportunity there, right? Like they've been taking turns to a certain extent being scratched. And I know Pod Colson's is partially because of the, the facial injury he suffered in the fight against Boston. Um, but he's been a full participant in practice this week wearing a full face shield. And this is the first time he's going back into the lineup. So, you know, I don't know this for sure, but I suspect that last game was a healthy scratch for Pod Colson more than a an injury-related scratch, that may not be the case, but he took warm-up, so if you're taking warm-up, you're capable of playing, you would think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been quiet from Pod Colson, but solid, and I think there's an opportunity there for him to, you know, especially playing with a guy like Besser. If you can help generate some more offense, if you can make that third line a legitimate scoring threat, then you're going to help the coach in wanting to keep you in the lineup and, and keep you as a part of that 12-man group on a consistent basis. But, um, you know, that's something I actually, I, I've been meaning to talk to Bruce Boudreau about, and I haven't really had a chance to, you know, either ask him about it on mic or off mic about, you know, what he's seeing or not seeing from Pod Colson, because when they initially took him out of the lineup, I was a little bit surprised just because I, I again, I, I haven't had a major problem with his game and the way he's played this year. But uh, he's a young player who clearly isn't playing at the same level that he was late last season when he started to produce offense and look really confident. And maybe that's what part of this is, is the coach is trying to draw that level of play out of him again. And we saw last year that after Bruce Boudreaux healthy scratch pod calls in the one time, it kind of helped turn his game around and he had a better final stretch to the year. So, you know, that may be part of it, but, uh, we'll see how he does getting back into the lineup tonight and if he's limited at all by uh, the full bubble, if indeed he wears it. 
Uh, tonight's kind of interesting against the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, who, look, we know they're, they're third tops in the league right now as far as points percentage, but they do struggle at specialty teams, uh, maybe not relative to the Vancouver Canucks as far as their PK goes, but they, they don't exactly have a banner uh, power play or penalty kill. So this is, for me, like mostly about how you do 5-on-5, five five, obviously where the Golden Knights have thrived. Uh, how do you view uh, what happens tonight here? Yeah, you know, on paper, it's a, a heavy favorite matchup for Vegas. But at the same time, you know, you're right. The special teams are going to be a factor. Vancouver's power play has been very strong, especially of late. They've had a couple of multi-goal power play games in the last few. Um, and Vegas comes in having lost three of its last four. And two of those losses were to San Jose and St. Louis, who, you know, are really struggling this year. So, um you know, it's it's also the first of two meetings between these teams this week. And in looking at Vegas's schedule, it's the first of a four in six that they will play that concludes with the Canucks on Saturday as the second half of a back-to-back for Vegas, whereas the Canucks will have played Wednesday in Colorado and then had Thursday and Friday off. And generally speaking, when two teams meet each other, in short succession, they split those two matchups, right? And unless it's a, a huge mismatch and one team is dominant, uh, if two clubs face each other in short succession, uh, you know, a team wins the first game, the other team adjusts their game plan for the second game and wins the second game. And when I look at how favorable that game might be for the Canucks going into Vegas on Saturday, my sort of logical brain, well, if it's logical, I don't even know. It's hockey. It's random. It makes no sense half, half the time. But, you know, I, I kind of feel like Vegas might get this one tonight and then the Canucks might get them back on Saturday when they're the rested team against the, the tired team that had to play the night before. But, you know, at the same time, if they get some timely saves from Demko, if they play the way they did against L.A., and, you know, if, if they can really effectively counteract Vegas's aggressive forecheck, which I think is going to be the biggest problem for them because we've seen the teams that play aggressively and in straight lines give the Canucks fits because of their ability or lack thereof to transition the puck. If they can find a way to, you know, try and negate Vegas's forecheck or establish their own forecheck more at five on five, then they've got a real chance to win this game tonight. And it'll be interesting to see whether it, it is that sort of even kind of matchup at five on five where, you know, the Canucks don't get rolled over by Vegas and then can try and make a difference with their power play or whether this is a Golden Knights team that, in spite of some of their recent struggles, is still one of the top teams in the league right now and and kind of comes in and makes the Canucks pay for, you know, the way they're able to play aggressively on the front foot. I like how you put it on uh, hockey and not your illogical brain. Well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, my brain has no logic in it. I don't know what I'm thinking half the time. And and every time, you know, this is what I've learned. If I've learned one thing in five plus seasons of covering the Vancouver Canucks every day, it's every time I think I know what's going to happen, the exact opposite happens because that's just the Canucks for you. So, um, you know, me trying to have some sort of, you know, crystal ball like prediction of what's going to happen this week means that whatever's going to happen this week is going to directly oppose whatever I'm predicting because that's just the way life is covering the Vancouver Canucks it feels like fair enough uh, see you tonight pal sounds good thank you at batch hockey if you're not following on Twitter already and uh, you'll hear him later today on the pregame show as well which kicks off at 630 Dan Riccio sat to your Shaw with Canucks Central uh, which I uh, guess going at four o'clock uh, you can always tune into them and then the call, 7.30, Brendan Batchelor and Randy Janda, who will uh, be joining me uh, with uh, 
Sportsnet 650 and Match Eatery and Public House for Sportsnet 650 Sunday at Cascades Casino in Delta. Uh, you can join myself, Randeep, and the whole 650 squad uh, on uh, December 4th from 1 to 5 uh, for all your marquee matchups. Uh, Match Eatery and Public House offering the social traditions of a neighborhood pub with the high energy of a sports bar. You can stop by for a chance to win a smart speaker, some Sportsnet 650 gear. Myself and Randeep going to be on hand, plus uh, a pair of tickets to the Canucks and Seahawks. Seahawks playing on December 11th. Uh, we're going to give those out as well. Uh, match Eatery and Public House located at the new Cascades Casino next to the Massey Tunnel. Uh, more on the way here on the People's Show. We'll get into week 11 of the NFL. Uh, and some good thoughts coming to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. I'll leave you with this, though. Uh, the Denver Broncos lose again to the Vegas Raiders. Unbelievable loss. We talked about it on the preview on Friday. A team that just doesn't look like they know what they're doing versus a team that looks like they quit. Broncos lose that game. That Russell Wilson trade looking more and more lopsided than ever. I'll ask you this. What is the most one-sided trade we've seen in sports in the last 30 years? I know we can go back way back when, but more recently, in the last 30 years, because this is turning out to be one of the biggest lopsided trades in favor for the Seattle Seahawks. What are what are ones that you uh, remember here in the last 30 years? Text in 650-650 uh, here on The People Show. As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you do you feel like you let the defense down at all? Yeah. Welcome back to the People Show, coming to you live from the Kintex Studio. So I want some uh, context here uh, on the show. I like even going back to the summer. I done takes like, hey, Geno Smith is greater than Zach Wilson. All these things. And I haven't really done a victory lap on that sort of stuff. But that clip, that's Zach Wilson yesterday. This is your moment. I didn't, no, no, hang on. I did not request that clip be played. I did not come in today and be like, hey, you know what we're going to talk about? Zach Wilson in that press conference had no intention. That's Dom, noted New York Jets fan, playing that unprompted. Dom, are you out? Are, are, are you irate? What's going on here? Of course I'm out. As quarterback one of any NFL team. This is a safe space, man. Let it it out. does not matter if it's not your fault, if it, the defense screwed up, if special teams screwed up. It's always your fault. You always take ownership of whatever happens that day. And after the game you just had against the Patriots, where you amassed like under 10 yards of offense or whatever the it, hell it, it was. It was two yards in the yeah. second half, I believe, yeah. And you come out and you say no. Are you kidding me? Are you like? Are you kidding me? It's bad, man. It's so bad. And look, I, I took the over on Zach Wilson uh, passing yards. That was a mistake. But the thing is, there's guys open. Yeah, there's guys. That's open. what makes it so difficult. And it's like you just got to throw the ball. You just got to rip it. And you, you know what else makes this difficult, Vic? You've got a hell of a coach in Robert Sala. You've got a top five defense well, in the NFL. Well, hang on, hang on. Let's, let's slow down on a hell of a coach. He's a great coach. He's also scouted this guy and is like, hey, this is the guy we want to invest in. All these problems were prevalent in college. This Doesn't is matter. The, this I is the quarterback they decided on. I, again, I think he's fine, but it's like they, they wear this too. Of course they do. Of course, And that's why he's not committing to him for the Thanksgiving uh, weekend. 
This is so bad. This was highly Everything, though. that's fine. You, everything is finally going your way. You have pieces on offense. You have a defense that is just absolutely smothering teams. You have a competent GM and a competent head coach. And your quarterback does this. Hang on, the, the, the GM also scouted the quarterback and uh, said, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're doubling down on yeah, this Yeah, but that's one piece out of the rest of the team. Look at the rest of the team. It's the most important piece. This is the guy that they chose. It's the hardest piece to this get right. This is the guy they chose. It is the hardest piece to get right. Well, look, in, in three years, if they get let go, we're going to look back and say, oh, man, they didn't get that one right. And it's, it's the one that you need to get right. But how many times do, do, do teams get quarterbacks right? It's very hard. When you get it wrong, you wear that. And so when oh, no, if, if, if it ends poorly for them and they don't make the playoff next year, what are we going to say? Be like, well, not very good job scouting the quarterback. That that That's also how this this works. As much as QB1 has got to take the it blame. It sucks the, that Justin Fields is going off right now. And guess who they're playing next By the game? way, go figure. Like, hey, there's a guy that was ripping up uh, at Ohio State. That's the guy a lot of people wanted to see uh, go to New York, and, and they chose the uh, – the flashy QB out of BYU. The Super Soaker. Is that his name? No, there's a deeper meaning to that. Oh, we won't okay. get into Yeah, no, that's there. fine. I, I wasn't sure if that was a, a name Jets fans are recording for him now. Not anymore. Not after what he did against the Pats. But yeah, he's uh, not great. Not great. What was it? Three completions? Two completions? Might have, completions? It might have well have been zero. 77 yards? At one point, it was nine completions, by the way. You know what the worst it, part of that was? What's that? Dick, that whole game? What, that they could have won? Obvious blocking in the back on the punt. You're going to hold on to that? You're going to hold on to that? Nick Folk just missed two field goals. It was a 45-yard field goal if they had called the First penalty. First of all, he wasn't catching him. You don't know that. You don't know that. He was like three steps from the end zone. You don't know that. No, he wasn't. He was like 25 yards from the end zone. Stop it. Stop lying to yourself like Zach Wilson is good. That's what you told yourself in the preseason, and you're telling himself that guy would have caught him. There's not a chance. I thought there was a block in the back early in the play, like as soon as Jones caught it. Uh, but the the the, the, the obvious uh, one that everyone was pointing out—that's the one you're you're taking issue with. Yeah, like he was wa- he was walking into the end zone block, even if he didn't get block touched. in the back is a block in the back. That's fair. But the the guy earlier he like did the hands up and kind of got in the way, so he he got away with that off the the reception of the uh, punt. Can but, I get Geno Smith back? Seriously. Uh, he looks tremendous. This one's coming in. Unsigned text. Jets average two and a half inches per play in the second half. That is rough. Rough. Two and a half inches per play. Uh, donkey. Zach Wilson needs to go. He's not the right person to lead that team. Uh, 650, 650. So they don't commit. So Joe Flacco or Mike White, who do you want to see? Oh, Mike White. Guy's in the Hall of Fame. You got to go back to him. He's in the Hall of Fame. Well, his jersey is in the Hall of Fame. It was against the Bears, too, that he he lit it up, too, right? A few years ago? Uh, Broncos, no? I mean, he had a few good games. Yeah. I, I thought maybe it was against the Bears. I can't remember. I don't follow the Jets a lot, too. Uh, no. To be a fair. lot of people do. They're not worth watching a whole a lot of times. All right, relax. Uh, but the other Wilson that struggled, uh, although the first half was pretty good for Russell Wilson, but once again, the Denver Broncos lose. And I don't want to get into the whole, you know, Broncos are terrible thing again, because we did that a little last week. But, look, they make this trade. And I see the submissions coming in 650-650. I want to get to some of these. But, like, we're 10 games into this. And this already looks like one of the most lopsided trades in North American sports. I don't know why I say North American. It's not like they do trades in soccer. They do transfers. 
like this looks like one of the more lopsided trades we've seen in recent memory. And I, I don't want to go back. I see some some submissions like Cam Neely. That's like so old. Espo, I know got traded. Like there's it's the some, market, man. I, I know, but there's some old trades that it's like honestly, in hindsight, <laughs> I'm not sure a lot of teams knew what they were doing back then. You know, when it came to trades, relative to what we know about how the business of sports goes now. Okay, so there's certainly some trades you can go down and be like, oh, that's an awful deal. But let's just say in the last 30 years, okay, uh, the the early clubhouse leader in some worst trades is Naslin for Stoyanov coming in. But let's also remember, like, that trade had to grow into being bad. Like, there was two years there where it's like Marcus Naslin, are we sure? And then, boom, takes off, eventually Hart Trophies, Lester B. Pearson, or sorry, Hart Trophy nominees, and Lester B. Pearson uh, winner. So that one grew into being bad. We're 10 games into this Russell Wilson trade. And looking at this like, can the Broncos get out of this? Do they have to make a trade to get out of Russell Wilson as replenish out, uh, to, to take advantage of what their defense is doing right now that looks like it'll be good for a couple of seasons? Do they have to get out of this right now? Ten games. Uh, so, I, I again, I like the Naslin Stoyanov one. It, it, it grew well, obviously, and it turned out into one of the more lopsided ones. But it didn't start that way. What are ones that we looked at and immediately said, Oh boy, that one is bad right away. 650, 650. I like this one uh, that came in. Aiden from downtown. And and this was a trade that got ripped immediately. You understand why teams do it uh, to trade a prospect for a win now move. But Erat for Forsberg, that one was mind blowing at the time. Philip Forsberg would have grown up with. Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom, and they cashed in for Martin Erat, which did not work at all, and very predictably uh, ended poorly for Washington, uh, which may have prolonged, you know, their their chase for a Stanley Cup. To be honest, but how, but how many games did Erat wind up playing in Washington? It was like a season and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, fifty some odd games. But that that stretch there, he had three points in nine games, and Philip Forsberg obviously has just grown. Uh, one of the more entertaining players uh, I like in, in watching across the NHL right now. Well, that's a good shout there uh, from Aiden in downtown. You got one, Dom? I do have one, and I'm shocked that it took me this long to figure this one out because we've been talking about this uh, behind the scenes. The Thunder trade James Harden to the Rockets in 2012. Oh, yeah. That immediately backfired on the Rock. On that's the, true. Uh, on the Thunder. Because, again, similar to the tone of – Naslin kind of growing into that. Like, that one sparked immediately for James yeah. Harden. It was like, oh, he's a third fiddle on a team. Maybe he can be a second guy. He immediately became an M- MVP candidate. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, but but this one's kind of up there for, for, for bad trades. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, Eric uh, texting in uh, all the pieces in the Nordiques Avalanche trade. Uh, the, the, the Patrick Waugh trade to the Avalanche is also really bad. But you think of the Lindros trade, we think, hey, you got the marquee piece in Eric Lindros, but obviously all those pieces help uh, usher in an avalanche uh, dynasty. Uh, Drew Ann for Sergachev, pretty lopsided. That's a good one. Uh, and the Eichel trade. Well, the Eichel trade still got a chance for uh, Buffalo to uh, look at the way they're doing things. I, I, I like Alex Tuck. Uh, Peyton Krebs, we'll see how he grows into it. But certainly, uh, you've got to look at Jack Eichel tonight, uh, Vegas Golden Knights playing the Vancouver Canucks uh, tonight here on Sportsnet 650. So that one is uh, one that oh, uh, I have can one. look one. Yeah, I have one. Uh, Jason Dickinson for Corey Stillman. That immediately R- went bad. Riley Stillman? Or Riley Stillman. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, man, Easy for Corey, mistake to make. Man, for Corey Stillman, that'd be uh, a great trade potentially. 
It was good at NHL. I kid. I just. Uh, this one. Uh, you, you mentioned one to me as well. Uh, the Raptors. Kawhi Leonard. And, oh, yeah. And the DeMar. DeMar trade. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, well, that one. Uh, Raptors go on and win a title. Mm-hmm. Spurs still bad, and they don't have DeMar. Uh, <laughs> people texting in. Uh, the OEL trade. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Devin Hall for Larson. Obviously, the Devils get themselves a uh, MVP. But okay, so so that's a bad trade. But like, what do the Devils do with it? That's the thing. I, I also want to see the side where a team kind of grows into, or at least has some success. Like there are some bad trades. Dom, you pitched me a few that I kind of said like, but the other team didn't really have any success. So yeah, you won the trade. But are you actually taking it to at least a conference final? The Seahawks will have to capitalize on their end, by the way. We just haven't gotten to the playoffs. If the Seahawks don't necessarily get to a, a conference final, maybe we'll look at that and say, okay, it didn't really look out. But it looks like they're building something. They're going to have years to try to accomplish that with this draft class they've gotten. But I think at some point they'll get to an NFC championship. Uh, Randy Moss to the Patriots. What was that? A fourth-round pick to the Raiders? That's when I always look at and say one of the worst trades. They go perfect. They go to the Super Bowl. Obviously, don't win it, but that was a phenomenal season. Uh, 650-650, Cole. Oh, the Vancouver Grizzlies to Memphis for nothing. That's a, that's a bad trade. That is a bad trade. Yeah. Uh, Adam Clendenning for Gustav Forsling. Can we raise the bar on this? <laughs> raise the bar a little bit on this one. Oh, yeah, Matt Duchesne for Byram and fourth overall. Uh, that one, uh, getting the Sens pick. Uh, some good shouts uh, coming in, 650-650. Uh, the Luongo trade to Vancouver, yes, that's one as well. Uh, Shouts to our guy Alex Ald, by the way, but uh, that's certainly a trade. Salani to Anaheim was a bad one. Uh, you know, immediate superstar in Anaheim. Well, he was a superstar in Winnipeg, but uh, really one of the oh, faces of that. One just came to mind. It's a very obvious one that backfired in the Canucks' face. The Jeremy McCann deal. Again, like, can we, like, raise the bar, though? Hey, he's a top forward in the league, and, and where's... Uh... In the league, but is it, are we are we going to, like, look back and say, hey, like, Jared McCann could have gone to the Hall of Fame? Look, like, we're just... talking Timu Solani to Jared McCann? No, but I'm just focusing locally here. Sure. Man, the guy's had a lot of lopsided trades recently, huh? 100%. 100%. I mean, you can throw some second-round picks there for uh, Lyndon Vay and Scott Barchi to throw some in there. Uh, but, yeah, keep coming in at 650, 650 into the Dunbar Lumber lumber text message inbox. Uh, All right, what else do we see on uh, week 11? So I did the – by the way, I see all the Jamal Adams texts. Thank you. I I wasn't going to mention it, but – I did. Dom Dom was happy to do that as well. Jamal Adams trade. This was really bad. Uh, So last week, I took it in the teeth over the power rankings. And here's the thing. Like, here's a lesson for everyone. What I should have done on Friday is double down on myself I, I chose not to believe in myself a little bit on Friday. I'll admit for Big Six. And what happened on Tuesday for the Big Best Power Rankings, we'll do it again tomorrow, but I had the Cowboys at four, Bills at two, Dom was shaking his head the entire Power Rankings, I had the Vikings at nine, and everyone in the inbox here in the office was ripping me, except for Dan Riccio, by the way. Shout out to Dan Riccio. Back in me there. But then, you know, I went through the week, and I was like, yeah, the Vikings, they're, they're, they're fine. And I was looking at the matchup, and I was like, they do kind of line up well with the Dallas Cowboys. 
And come big six, I was like, the line doesn't really make sense given where these teams are at. And I, I bought into the Minnesota Vikings hype, and I shouldn't have. So I, I blame myself a little bit, but I, I'm pinning this on everyone else too. We're, we're all in this together. We're all in this it's together. It's one game. They got whooped. This was not like, oh, it's 21-20 and we just barely lost. It's one game. I, I like what was the final score? I stopped watching. Thirty-eight to two. No, no, no. It, they, they definitely forty to three. Yeah, a forty burger. Third, that's a thirty-seven point difference. I'm just trying to figure out why the Vikings deserve this kind of treatment, but the Bills can lose two straight, and you don't react. Here's the same why. Way. Here's why. First of all, close losses. Okay, for the for the for the Buffalo Bills. The the problem with like not believing to the Vikings. Okay, Jefferson at turf toe. Calm down. Calm down. It's they lack a little athleticism, okay? They just don't have a lot of pop, especially in the trenches. And what happened versus Dallas is the thing that kind of held me back last week on Dallas is Micah Parsons didn't take a lot of pass uh, pass rushing snaps the week before. I thought, eh, is he hurt? Is he going to be able to go full full speed? He was full speed on Sunday and absolutely torched the Minnesota Vikings. And on the other side, Vikings a little light on the defensive line and Zach Martin ran a foul on that Vikings defensive line. And Tyler Smith was good, and they just got more beef. They got more juice. The Vikings, it's by hook or by crook, which is why they're winning all these one-score games. They're kind of in the their first year of this. They'll get better. That's a good team, good management group too, and a decent coach. They just need more dudes on both sides of the ball. And they got pushed around and abused. So that's why the Vikings, who, by the way, I'll just tell you right now, they're probably going to be number nine again this week, so I'm not going to downgrade them a huge because everyone else had an overinflated. They'll stick around where they were. But they got pushed around, and that's why, and Kirk Cousins just looked lost out there, and that's why you can't buy into the Vikings as a top-five team because they got Kirk Cousins. That's the reason why. Uh, all right, let's get into tonight. It's time for the People's Picks, brought to you by Playing Out Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Brought to you by BCLC. It's in Mexico City. Cardinals technically the home team. It's 10 points, though, against the 49ers. No Kyler Murray looks like. Colt McCoy going to take the start. I will actually back the cards here. Divisional game, Monday Night Football, it's 10 points. Uh, there's some major mismatches here, obviously coaching, but I'll still take the 10 points in a divisional game uh, for the Cardinals couple of props I'm looking at. James Conner, 25 yards receiving, paying out at 2.3. If it gets to be a bit of a ludicrous score, how do the Cardinals keep into it? Try to go downfield. You're going to have to dump it off. Colt McCoy, pretty safe. He's got like a 2% interception rating uh, after his rookie year. So he'll, he'll check it down to James Conner, 25 yards receiving. As far as the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk over four and a half receptions at 2.0. Even money there. Uh, he's starting to emerge. We haven't gotten the marquee breakout game from Brandon Ayuk just yet, but four and a half receptions doable here on Monday night for Brandon Ayuk. And then uh, Jimmy G. I'm going under 32 and a half passing attempts, 1.74. Kind of in direct conflict with the Ayuk one, but 32 and a half is a great deal there for Jimmy G. Uh, so we'll go under at 1.74. That's the people's picks. Brought to you by Playnow Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. Great stuff in the inbox today here on the People's Show. Uh, a lot more submissions coming in on the worst trade that we've seen. Uh, this one. Fonzie to the to, to Bayern. 
hey man, you got $28.5 million. Again, transfers is, is a different world. It wasn't nothing. And I don't know, were people expecting like Lewandowski to show up or something like that? $28.5 It's that turf, bro. We're never going to get anyone on this turf. <laughs> uh, keep going in with the thoughts during Canuck Central. They got you the rest of the way. Pre-game show coming up at 6.30. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, next here on the Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.